Amazon, as usual, unloaded a huge amount of new products and services with a few surprises to boot. Let's get to them. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Ben Fox Rubin, who's been all over this. Welcome, Ben. Hey. So you spent the last 45 minutes uh, basically live tweeting and capturing every bit of news. There's a lot to break down, but let's get to what you know most people are familiar with. Those are Echo speakers. Talk about the new Echo speaker that looks a bit more globish or roundish. Yeah, it's a spherical design and Amazon definitely did a good job of keeping a lot of its hardware uh, changes, its updates quiet this year. There were way more rumors last year, uh, but this year... There was just, you know, there wasn't that much that we knew what to expect. We were hoping for maybe a home robot, and that didn't really happen. What I would argue about these spherical echoes is that people probably aren't going to want to bother updating their existing echo line with these products. They, you know, unless unless the audio quality and the uh, quality of Alexa being able to understand you is so significantly better that it makes sense to do that, people are going to stick with what they have, except for the Echo Dots for kids, which are ridiculously adorable and are like, you know, there's like one that looks like a tiger. I think there's another one that looks like a zebra. So I think they did a really good job of making them a lot cuter and fudder for kids. Yeah, I, I noticed that that they, those are the, the products that kind of stuck out in my eye because they were so unbelievably adorable. And I could see my kid like having a conversation with them. And that sounds super precious. Um, they, they did a lot with kids, right? They, they, they offered a, like a kid's profile. Like talk about some of the, the announcements as it relates to so that the family aspect of uh, Amazon customers. Yeah, the kids profile was probably the most significant one, which basically, uh, you, from what I understand about it, if you create a kid's profile, then uh, your echoes throughout the house will respond to your kid in kid-friendly or kid-appropriate fashions. That's something that you can already do with an Echo Dot for kids if you set it up that way. This way, that feature could, in theory, follow the kid around the house. So you don't actually have to like set up each device specifically for that, which is annoying for parents in case you want to like, I don't know, listen to music that isn't specifically or explicitly kid friendly. Uh, so that that I would say was like one of the more significant announcements related to that. And I'm just curious if there were any like, are there any extra privacy features that come with the kids mode uh, just so folks don't have to be worried? So for for the kids mode, they've they've done that quite a bit already. Where it's just much more targeted for kids. Uh, so there are fewer services, there are fewer skills. Uh, you you can't ask it uh, a variety of different questions. Uh, so that it's much narrower and much more targeted for kids. And it's been like that the whole time. So uh, it's just. Basically, Alexa, but a but a much more curated version of it. Got it. And, and speaking of privacy, you had a chance to talk with Amazon ahead of time uh, about some new privacy announcements. What did they actually announce or change? The biggest one there was the ability to immediately delete any voice recordings immediately after they're processed. So what they did last year was that on a rolling basis, you would be able to get your Echo speaker to delete 
your recordings after three months or after 18 months. Now, if you wanted to, you could do it immediately. So that's it kind of creates it where it's a voice recording is essentially ephemeral that you don't want it to be stored anywhere in Amazon storage. Uh, so they, that possibility is now available to you. Now, granted, the transcript will continue to be available, the written transcript uh, for 30 days. And what they told me was is that that's for the benefit of customers in case they want to follow up on something or they want to check on any previous recordings. Got it. And oh, anything else with the uh, the Echo line, the, the Echo Show got a uh, update as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Echo Show 10. Uh, so it's got a big speaker. It basically looks like a new display that's slapped onto a speaker and uh, it can pan and zoom. So I think the zoom feature brings it a little bit closer to the Facebook portal and it also can pan, which was interesting where you could almost use it if you set it up in a certain part of your house, like let's say in your kitchen island in the middle of the kitchen, uh, you could set it up as a security camera so you could pan around and actually be able to uh, look around. So right now I have an Echo Spot in my kitchen and it's stationary. Like you could actually beam into it if you wanted to remotely, but uh, you won't be able to pan it. So yeah, that's a that's a, one of the reasons why you might want to use uh, an Echo Show 10. It's also a bigger screen. So um, that's that de they're definitely pushing into this whole concept of smart displays with something like this. Gotcha. And we never really got a chance to break down prices. How much are all these Echoes? So the fourth generation Echo, a hundred bucks. Okay. Echo Dot, fourth generation, $50. Uh, Echo Dot Kids, $60. Echo Dot with Clock, $60. And the Echo Show 10, a whopping $250. That's pretty expensive for an Echo product. Right. Although likely those prices will go down during Prime Day, which you broke, uh, is coming October 13th, right? Oh, yeah. I did break that. Thank you for mentioning that. Thanks for making a big deal of that, Ben. <laughs> uh, well, why, why don't we move on to the, the Ring security camera? The well, What are some of the new things? Because there's some interesting announcements with, with Ring. Break it down for us. So Ring was probably the most interesting announcement out of the whole lot. It was the Ring Always Home Cam. It's an indoor drone that can like, you know, fly around in a predetermined route in your house, or it can like fly to something if it like hears a noise. Here's Dave Limp, Amazon's hardware chief, to tell us a little bit more. We did hear from customers or in case of Ring neighbors that you know, they, they love the use case of indoor cameras. We, we, we through Blink and Ring, we, we obviously sell a lot of indoor cameras. And whether that's to watch your dog, uh, in my case, be on the couch when he's not supposed to. But, uh, but in addition, it also is for the use cases where something might happen untoward in your, in your home and you get events on that. But lots of customers either can't or don't want to put cameras in every room. They might not want to think about recharging them or they don't have power where they need, we would need it to get a field of view or they just don't want a camera in a certain room. And the Always Home Cam solves for that use case. And it says, listen, you know, we'll, we'll bring the camera to the event as opposed to the event to the camera. And, and uh, we'll see. I, I look forward to hearing what customers say. Uh, we, really like, we really like the use case though. So this is an indoor flying camera drone. Correct. Huh. I mean, like, 
you know, somebody wants to buy that, sure, but I I don't know. Maybe if you have like a warehouse that's filled with gold or diamonds, something like this might make sense. But why would a normal homeowner want a drone flying around in their house? Maybe I'm missing something here. Uh, no, that was pretty much my gut reaction. Um, and I imagine if you had pets, having this loud flying thing buzzing around your home just would drive them insane. But I don't know. You're right. If, if you've got sacks of gold, uh, you live near a money pit like Scrooge McDuck, maybe you want a flying drone that goes indoors. There were some pretty good tweets about this where um, it's one of the BuzzFeed uh, guys mentioned like setting it up with like claws or something and having it become sentient and take over humanity. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a kooky product. Uh, I don't really expect it to take off, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That Amazon always has something like goofy or unexpected at these events, like a wall clock last year, like an Alexa-powered wall clock. This one's much more entertaining, but it's weird and definitely creepy. So, I don't know. We'll see if people buy it. Right. And they, there's also some rings on the road now as well, right? Yeah. These were actually really interesting products for them. They have uh, a variety. They have three different uh, products specifically for cars. So, there's a car alarm. There's also a car cam, which I thought was really interesting. Basically, you can tell it to start recording if you get pulled over, which I thought... Um, you know, considering the environment that we live in related to social justice and police brutality is, I, I mean, like, obviously they didn't pitch it that directly about that. Um, but th there are certainly implications there that that are interesting uh, around, around, you know, just the environment that we live in these days. Absolutely. I mean, given the very cozy relationship that Ring has with local police departments, it's, it's interesting that they're trying to present a product that that really would serve sort of the opposite need, right? And and, and really kind of uh, meet the needs of folks who, yeah, are caught up in this social justice movement. So it's, it's one could look at this as a bit of irony if they wanted to look at it that way, that Ring is working with police departments and therefore why would they provide such a product? I would argue that Ring is a profit-making operation, you know, like they're not a nonprofit. And if they could sell more product to people, this is the car cam is $200. Why not? Uh, so, you know, they could, they could serve a variety of, of communities and a variety of, um, you know, types of customers with, with this broad portfolio. That's, that's probably how they're looking at it from a business perspective. Right. And then what about the Fire TV announcements? Yeah. So they also updated the Fire TVs. There's a new thing called the Fire TV Stick Light, and it's $30. That's really cheap. I think it's $10 cheaper than the previous one. And there's also the Fire TV Stick 2020. That's the newest one for $40. So they're, they're definitely trying to provide their streaming sticks for about as cheap as they could possibly get while still being like a brand name that you've heard of. Uh, so, you know, there, there are all of the 
expected, you know, it's more powerful and and the remote is improved. But yeah, it, it's definitely from from a stocking stuffer perspective, getting to that $30 price range, it makes it really easy for people to buy them just as just as easy gifts, especially for the holidays, which is which is why they have these announcements when they do anyway. And then lastly, Amazon unveiled Luna, its cloud gaming service. Now, this has been reported on for a while. Our colleague Ian Schur actually wrote about it last year. Uh, tell me more about this. How does Luna work? Yeah, so Luna, it's, you know, their, their cloud gaming service. It sits on top of AWS, which is Amazon's cloud computing service. And uh, it can be run on PCs, Fire TVs, or iOS. Uh, and there's also uh, a controller that goes with it, too. Uh, obviously, Apple has moved into gaming, and there's there's just it's become a much more crowded field. Even though, in general, there aren't as many like gaming consoles per se. There's there are a lot more gaming services that are available for folks. Yeah, for sure. It's it's important to note. You know, this is they're trying to go after those AAA titles. I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla was one of the titles mentioned during the presentation, and and this. At least it strikes me as something that works similar to what Stadia is, right? It, you, you get triple access to AAA titles and other video games, and you can stream them on any device, correct? Right. And if I remember correctly about that, that is what would make Stadia and Luna different than Apple's gaming service, which to me seemed much more a uh, casual gaming service that didn't really push into such high level, you know, graphics heavy games. But tell me if I'm wrong about that. No, that you're absolutely right. I mean, it, there's there's Stadia, there's Microsoft's cloud service, there is now Amazon Luna. Uh, it's interesting that Google and Microsoft are still having trouble getting their service to run on iOS. And Amazon says it runs on iOS, but we, we noticed that, uh, or a couple of reporters, and I noticed that it referenced web apps. So it may not be an app that runs on iOS. As you, as our listeners will recall, there are uh, there's an ongoing conflict right now between Epic and Apple over getting gaming onto phones in, in a meaningful way. And Microsoft and Google have, have also said similar things. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Luna works on the iPhone because that they were iPhones were prominent in a lot of the marketing materials, but the, the fact that it's web apps uh, means you know not necessarily a, a native app running on iOS. That doesn't, I don't know. That, that to me feels like over-promising. Why would you talk about Apple so much if, if it's web apps? You know, obviously more native apps would, would help the service run a lot better. And if I remember from their presentation, they were talking about latency as such an important element. So uh, I think from a gamer's perspective, web apps might be a little bit of a disappointment, but we'll just have to find out when when they really roll this out. The other thing I'd say about this is, is it, it's like really makes a lot of sense that they would come out with something like this because they've had Twitch for several years. So from, from a gaming perspective, they definitely own that market uh, for game streaming. So building on that brand, uh, I, I think is is definitely very smart for them. So Ben, how much does Luna cost? So Luna is going to be $6 a month, and there's going to be an early access invite-only program to start off with. So look out for that in the future. Okay. Well, Ben, thanks for joining us and breaking down the very numerous uh, announcements made today. If you have any questions about Amazon's big event, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge, and you can read all of our coverage on CNET.com. 
And just a programming note, I won't be around tomorrow, so we'll be reposting an earlier episode about the ramifications of those 5G conspiracy theories. It's worth checking out if you didn't listen to it the first time. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.